Hey everybody, Blake with Marvel.com here, and we have another very special guest on the show today. Introduce yourself, sir. My name is Cass Anvar. I play Alex Kamala on The Expanse, and I am extremely thrilled to be here in the office of Marvel. I'm kind of bummed we didn't start rolling on all the stuff we were talking about I know. beforehand. <laughs> we're just shooting all this crazy <laughs> stuff about comic books and crazy people that we know. Um, I, God, where to start? I mean... You mentioned, all right, let's just get into the comics and get that out of the way before yeah. we talk The Expanse. Right. You mentioned you have a pretty deep comic collection. I do. I've been collecting ever since I was a little boy. Um, <clears throat> my mom, she's a doctor, and she used to go to uh, to work every every day, and I'd beg her to bring me back some comics, and she'd come back with a little brown bag full of comics. And at the beginning, I didn't know anything, so she would she would pick mm -hmm. the comic books that I was going to be reading, and she'd come back with Iron Man and Hulk and Spider-Man and Green Lantern and things like that, and um, I would devour these these books uh, and wait until the next the next month, and she'd she'd give me the next one, and I would start my little collection, and I started even back then, I would I would preserve them in bags, but I, I would I would have like bread bags <laughs> like bags of bread that I'd shaken the crumbs out of and I'd put my books inside there and then I'd find a cardboard box and I'd stack them up in there and I feel kind of bad because I went back you know 25 years later or whatever and I looked at them and they were kind of beat up and they're really good comics too but like uh, uh, my favorite part of my collection is something I lucked into I was just a, a, a small kid and I went to a secondhand store and it, they were selling comics and they're all unprotected in these bins and um, <clears throat> they'd send them for 15 cents, 10 cents, 20 cents. And I went through and I just found this stack, all sequential of X-Men. I mean, there was dozens of, somebody had just brought in their entire collection. And so I looked and stupid me, um, I was looking at all these X-Men and it was all this Kirby stuff. And at that time I didn't like Kirby's art because I was a kid. So I just went, ah, that looks old, that looks old, that looks <laughs> old. And then I got to X-Men 94 and I was like, oh, this looks cool. And so I picked up from 94 to about 110. That's amazing. Uh, in really good condition. And I paid maybe about four bucks for the whole thing. And X-Men Giant Size number one as well, which I just got graded and everything like that. But what kills me is that I think the entire collection was there back to oh, number man. one <laughs> with all the original artwork and everything. I could have gotten the entire run for maybe like, you know, 50 bucks. I got to be honest, though. Yours is the first positive story in that kind of realm I've heard. Really? Everyone else I've heard from has been the person that sold them all before they knew they were really oh, expensive. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know why I, I somehow clued in way at the beginning. Like comic books were awesome. And uh um, and you know, I picked up at a garage sale for twenty-five cents Marvel Mystery Number Ninety-Two for twenty-five cents. Wow. The, the origin of the Human Torch, the original what? Human Torch. It was crazy when I saw it. I was like, uh, and the guy's got—he's got like he's got like laundry baskets and like uh, you know some cups and mugs, and then a couple of comics. And <laughs> one of the comics was Marvel Mystery Number Ninety-Two, like from the forties. And I'm like, what the? Hell? I go, how much for this? With my like my, I was turning red, right? And he goes, ah, twenty-five cents. And I'm like, deal. Done. That's crazy. That's crazy. Is there anything your mom <clears throat> didn't get you that like she didn't think was she thought was a little too bad and no, then you found my, out about later? I, she didn't really she didn't really read that stuff. The only I think she looked at the Punisher mm. uh once in a while and she's like, Castro, why are you reading this? It's all <laughs> guns and killing and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, No mom, it's fun. So Punisher was a little bit hard for me at the beginning. He was he was quite a badass. So when I was when I was really young um, I still collected it. Like I have all the original Punisher, uh, War Journal, and the, really? the original series. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. 
That was that's a sad story. I had uh, Punisher War j- Journal number one, or what was the miniseries? The the miniseries, the Punisher miniseries that started it all off. Um, <coughs> it was like four episodes, uh, four, and uh, I got that in my box, and water leaked into the box, and and I tried to iron it, and that didn't work. Oh jeez. Yeah, so I ruined that. But that's the only bad story I have. What what, what would you say is your favorite? I don't. You might have mentioned this already, but what's your favorite like run that you own or that you've mm. read? Or uh, it would have to be X Men, mm-hmm. the uh, one you were speaking of just um, a second ago. No, or? I was. Uh, that's Wolverine miniseries. Mm-hmm. I love the Frank Miller Wolverine miniseries. That uh, again, I was I was really young when I got it, um, but I love the artwork and he just changed. Miller just changed comic books. Mm-hmm. He changed the whole. It just went dark and gritty and interesting and filmic. Mm-hmm. Like he really transformed the genre, and after Miller, you know, and then Todd McFarlane came in, and uh, the whole the whole uh, comic book landscape landscape changed. But in terms of just visceral storytelling and just like what impressed me and stuck with me, there was two series, two runs, both of them X Men. One was Days of Future Past, mm. so you can imagine how happy I was when that turned into a movie. <laughs> it, like that's two ep- that's just two issues, the Days well. of Future Past, and it was awesome. Um, Wolverine was huge in that, my favorite character, and uh, the other one was the the Phoenix, uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, mm-hmm. from which really started from '94. Mm-hmm. Like like they really seeded in the Dark Phoenix saga up to I think it was X Men One Thirty Four was when she got blasted, um, and I was so just captivated by that story and all the stuff that was going on. Uh, and then when Dark, then when Jean Grey got killed on the moon, that uh, I bought like ten episodes, ten issues of that. <laughs> I'm talking in television now <laughs> with my comics. I got I got ten episodes of that of that issue, um, and uh, I actually gave one of those away to one of my directors who walked into my basement once when we were directing a, a TV series, and he saw my collection. He goes, "Oh my God, what an amazing collection!" And he started looking, and I saw he was really in love with that that episode of Phoenix Dies and um, so I gave him one and it hurt <laughs> <laughs> it did it, I can't say that it didn't hurt it hurt but I had I had enough so are there any uh, I th- you kind of mentioned earlier but I mean are, do you have any comics that haven't gotten like riddled with water or yeah you know? I mean uh, after I mean I'm trying to think um, like at, in around the Frank Miller era around the time that that the the Wolverine miniseries came out. That's when I started getting smarter and I started bagging and boarding and stuff like that. So I got my Wolverine miniseries by Frank Miller. I got them signed by Stan Lee and CGC graded. And my Wolverine number one is at 9.8. Wow. And like, I know for all those geeks out there, like all the, all the laymen out there are like, what the hell is he talking about? What an idiot. But everyone else is going, oh my God, 9.8, <laughs> Frank Miller, signed by, signed by Stan. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. Have you gotten to meet any of the guys you've like so you go i mean we met at a convention you go to conventions here and there i do yeah um yet you, you haven't got to meet frank or todd uh, or i Stan. haven't met frank or todd i know frank is pretty discreet he doesn't do a lot mm-hmm. and i know getting an autograph from him is is a big deal um i haven't seen I've, I've seen todd but i haven't met him and i've met stan a number of times like stan and i end up running actually i helped promote one of his products um he's this stan's like the busiest man in oh, the yeah. world i've never i've never met anybody who does as much as he does uh, regardless of his age just the amount of projects that he is working on at any one time so I, I'm, a, I'm a big voice actor in the video game world mm. I do a lot of video game voices 
Um, so they asked me to promote his new video game called Ball Wars, and they had me playing video game against Stan on stage at uh, <laughs> no way what at, at Kamikaze. I think they've changed the name now to something else, but um, the uh, the Stan Lee Comic Con in Los Angeles. So I was playing video games against him, and um, and he told me to come by afterwards with my books, and he'd sign them. So that was kind of like way better than getting a fee. So I, I brought my ten like favorite books and, <laughs> and got Stan to sign them and then I took them right over to CGC and got them graded so that was like uh, a huge thrill. I'm curious because I've, I've been fortunate to meet Stan a number of times but the first time I was like shaking and you know you, don't, you never prepare yourself for yeah. meeting these people what was your experience like? when you I don't get starstruck uh -huh. normally but I was nervous with Stan <laughs> because he had he impacted my life as a child like you I don't know if you you read these things the bullpen bulletins and like you know the all the all the things that Stan or Marv Wolfman would be talking directly to the fan. And I would read that stuff, and I'd be completely connected to uh, – I, I felt like I knew these guys. I felt like it was so small and so intimate. And so, uh, you know, you fall in love with these characters like Spider-Man. Spider-Man I totally identified with. I was the kid that got bullied in the schoolyard and got beat up and, and wanted to somehow find, uh, find my power and find a way of um, – you know, defending myself and doing the right thing, and you know, Wolverine and Iron Man and Hulk and uh, the Avengers and the X Men. Like you, you become so emotionally invested in that as a child, and then to meet the guy whose face you see every day when you're reading these books, it was it was quite uh, a thrill. I was really nervous. And you mentioned a lot of the artists uh, before. Are there any other artists or writers that really impacted you? Um, yeah, actually, I mean, Frank Miller was a big one. Uh, I really fell in love with Jack Kirby after the fact once. I, I think it's something that you have to kind of have an, a, a maturity to appreciate mm -hmm. it. Um, <clears throat> John Byrne uh, and uh, Cockrum. I loved uh, Cockrum and Byrne. Uh, and um, Smith. Uh, who was it that did um, X-Force? At the beginning, was it Sykovitz or how, how do you pronounce that guy's oh, name? Oh, Sinkevich. Sinkevich. Yeah. I loved his work. Mm -hmm. Very quirky, but really good. Uh, and I loved his work. And then obviously McFarlane, uh, Bob Layton, um, and uh, I think that's that's the kind of the main the main players of what the influences for me. That's awesome. And yeah. I, you mentioned, uh, tell me beforehand, Wolverine was your. Number one. Spider-Man was my number one. Spider-Man's your number one. Because as a kid, uh, he was my, my big identifier. And then as I grew up and I become a bit of a badass, uh -huh. Wolverine <laughs> kind of took that place. But those two are my, my two favorites because they kind of encapsulate a lot of the things that really are meaningful to me. Uh, you know, just about um, <clears throat> being uh, kind of like the underdog and standing up for yourself. And, uh, like, I hate bullies. Like, I, I can't tolerate bullies. And... Uh, a lot of because of what I went through as a kid and you know I, I really kind of just respect that character that's this skinny little nerd that ends up being so powerful he can lift a, a, a car over his head and and defend himself but but protects you know young innocent weaker people uh, mm -hmm. like he used to be and you know Wolverine who has this incredible ferocious rage and power but he still has a nobility about him he's kind of like you know, and they, they really exploited it in the um, in the the various comics. But he's kind of like a samurai. He really is this this force of nature, this incredibly powerful, skilled force of nature that really is there to protect people. And he he has a nobility, and he has a 
he has a code of honor mm. despite how fierce and ferocious and lethal he can be because he has no qualms about killing people it's just he he has a code of honor about who he will kill that's amazing yeah. but what, what's the story you mentioned to me <clears throat> right before we started about the wolverine hair Oh, uh, <laughs> I was saying I'm such a big fan of Wolverine. Like in, in the show I'm, we're premiering this weekend, The Expanse, my character, Alex Kamal, all of us have very interesting and unique different silhouettes on the show. Um, and uh, they decided in about episode four to kind of take my hair and do some fun stuff with it. And I, I kind of, without really telling them at first, kind of guided them into a Wolverine do. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, so every every day we're in the in the trailer and I'm like, okay, no, no, a little bit more flared on the side and like flat on top and like give me some wings there. And uh, so by the end, I kind of went, was going for some Wolverine hair. And then, and then I realized about episode six, I had gone too far when my hair was like about, you know, Kramer height <laughs> and we had to, we have to reel it back. But uh, no, I kind of like, I loved um, the, that kind of fierce, powerful, kind of cool, look that Wolverine has. I still feel like one of the most awesome scenes in, in any of the X-Men movies was uh, one of the first reveals of Wolverine um, in Canada up north uh, when uh, Rogue stumbles upon him at the, you know, drinking beer in that in that fight club mm. bar, the truck driver bar up in Alaska or something like that. I think that was one of the coolest reveals of Wolverine we've had uh, in cinema. Um, I mean, speaking <coughs> of the expanse, we obviously have to talk about that. I sure. mean, you, you got to be riding high with all the success for the show. I got to say, man, we are, we are so proud of that show. Uh, it's being called one of the best science fiction shows in the past decade or more. It's, you know, being called Game of Thrones in space. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, best thing since Battlestar and Blade Runner and things like that. And we um, are so in love with the material. We we are so blessed. Uh, the, the group that I get to work with, with Steve... Uh, Stephen Strait, uh, Dominic Tipper, Wes Chatham, myself, Shoria Agdashlu, um, uh, our, our detective Miller, the, the Punisher, Thomas Jane, and, uh, and now this year we have Bobby Draper being played by um, Frankie Adams. Um, th it is such an amazing group of people to work with, and then the writing talent, we, we're blessed with like these award-winning writers like the, um, the, the showrunner from Star Trek, uh, Noreen Shankar. We have the two writers of the novels, Ty Daniels and uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abrams, who are James S.A. Corey. And then uh, Mark Fergus and Hawk Odsby, who wrote Children of Men oh, wow. and Iron Man 1. Oh. So we've got some pedigree <laughs> in the creative team. And we're just sitting here looking at this talent around the table. Every time we do an episode, I'm like, Damn, man, this is like this is like uh, a dream team, and so the quality of the work, the scripts that come out—they're so layered, they're so complex, they're such incredibly deep, rich characters. There's so much kind of uh, intrigue, and it's never dumbed down. We never talk down to the audience. We we challenge. You know, I've met some of my fans at the uh, the cons, and they're like, "Man, I love your show because sometimes I I have to watch the show a couple of times to get everything, and you got a little thing here and a little thing here, and it's like." It's like little Easter eggs that we put through the whole show. And uh, again, it's not dumbed down. So it's a real rich experience. Um, so we're very proud of it. I always, from my perspective, I always normally meet you guys at the conventions. And I see from a success perspective, like the first time you guys came by our booth at New York Comic Con, there was only like maybe one security guard. And then yeah. the second year, there's like four or six security guards flanking you guys. Yeah. So obviously, to me, that means success. Yeah. 
Well, uh, you know what it means. Except when when I see an Alex Kamal cosplayer, then I will know. <laughs> a cosplayer or a Lego doll? You haven't yet. I, I have not seen Alex. No, I've seen. Uh, we're starting to get fan art now. That's great. We're starting to get the artwork from the fans of our characters in in weird and and odd and unusual situations. Um, but I, I always know when uh, when I start seeing the cosplayers for the various shows uh, going around. That's when you know you've you've really penetrated the market <laughs> and the fans are really in love is because then they start wanting to be you and they start wanting to dress up as you. Like I've started seeing um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cosplayers in the last couple of years and that's a great show. I love that. I love that show. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm waiting for that. Or when you get your little Lego doll <laughs> or your pop vinyl doll, then you know. Um, so do you collect outside of comics? Um, no, I mean, I, I'm a gamer. Mm -hmm. I play video games. Uh, and I won't say I collect them, but I play them. Um, comics is really my my passion in terms of collection. I mean, it's you can only collect so many things right. before you're you're bankrupt, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've I've kind of stuck to comics. That's that's where my expertise is. Is there any comic that you're out in search for now that you can't seem to find? Um, that I can afford? No. <laughs> um, I'm I met a guy. The guy who um, the guy who actually wrangled me in to do the um, the video game promotion with Stan. He's one of the most um, impressive successful comic book collectors in the world he's got a collection of <clears throat> every every major book that uh, a collector would want he's got action number one he's got amazing fantasy number 15 he's got spider-man number one x-men number one iron man number one um i think he's got marvel mystery number one or whatever it is um and he's got these books in condition of like 9.4 9.6 9.7 like they're pristine That's crazy. and when I went over to discuss this interview with him he goes you want me to get my books out of the safety deposit box and I said uh yeah and he went to the bank and took his books out and brought them for me and so I'm there literally salivating and I'm trembling looking at a an amazing fantasy with like it looks fresh off the stand like not faded, not yellowed, no creases, no nicks, nothing. Perfect, pristine condition. And I looked at those and I'm like, how much did this whole thing? He goes, I can't. He goes, he goes, you're holding close to a million dollars in your hand, like with the stack of books that he gave me. And I went, yeah, okay, something to aspire to. <laughs> so any, after that experience, I'm like, you know, any book that I really want now, I'm, I've kind of been humbled by what I could possibly get. So I think that's what I'll aspire to is to get to the point where I can actually put a collection like that together. Yeah, we had um, Met, the rapper Method Man came by, and he uh, pulled out the first appearance of Wolverine, 9.7, oh. I think. In the Hulk? Yeah. yeah. And he oh, was like... 9.7. It was 9.7 or 9.8, one of those, and he was just showed Hulk it to one, me. Was it 181? Right? Maybe yeah. I'm not sure. I was just but trying to, I'm trying to impress you and all the fans here. I don't. I can yeah. tell. Pro probably that's it. Yeah, but that's um, he was just like, "Oh, look, here you go." And I was holding it. I was like, "Why'd you bring this?" He's like, "I just <laughs> want to show you I'm a big fan." And I was like, "You was brought this all the yeah, it was protected." Oh, okay, good. But I was like, I, "However much this costs, I could have just yeah, you could have just told me you nine point seven. Yeah. That's thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's thousands of dollars." Mm -hmm. If I had my my X Men giant size number one in like a nine point something, it would be I think five thousand dollars wow. something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Are you? I gotta mention too. I mean, you were in Punisher Warzone. That's that had was, to be yeah. a big trip. That was a, a huge fan. thrill for me. Yeah, getting to getting to work with uh, uh, the whole crew there that put uh, the Punisher. I got to play um, 
the plastic shirt the plastic surgeon that creates jigsaw so wow. I, was, I was the guy that puts jigsaw's face back together and he, he uh, needless to say he wasn't very happy with the work that i did <laughs> so he he took good care of me afterwards i didn't last very long in that episode in that in that movie but um that wasn't actually a that was probably the in my opinion the best punisher movie it was the closest you would get to the actual comics it was brutally violent mm -hmm. I, I will have to say it was a very violent movie but it was very violent in um in kind of a, a tarantino way it was very comic booky, very sent up. The violence was a little bit so out of out of this world that you kind of couldn't really even see it as real because it was out, outside the realm of reality. And the visuals and the cinematography and everything was uh, was quite stunning. So I, I really liked that one as much as Thomas Jane, who played the first one, and my buddy in the in the, the Expanse. Uh, I, that's my my other favorite. I'm curious. Do you ever talk comics with any other actors? Yeah, uh, Wes Chatham, who plays Amos, he's a he's a comic book collector, and Stephen Strait, uh, and we finally got Dominic Tipper, who plays Naomi. <laughs> she's starting to read graphic novels. Oh, uh, okay. She's she's a little bit more sophisticated than the th the three of us geeks, <laughs> um, but we got her into some really dark and very sophisticated graphic novels. She's like, oh well, this isn't quite so bad. I thought comic <laughs> books were quite nerdy, but this is really That's nice. Amazing. That's me making fun of Dominic's <laughs> accent, by the way. She's very happy with that. Um, so uh, when you're at conventions, do you ever get to walk around, or is it just going to interview to interview um, and back? It depends. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, no. We're usually slammed with all sorts of interviews and stuff like that. When I do WonderCon or when I do some of the other cons, when I'm going just by myself to sign autographs, then I'll usually get you know it's a good chunk of time, and I like to wander around and see all the artwork. I usually, I usually buy artwork. I found this amazing... Um, Wolverine charcoal oh, wow. drawing that I'm I'm I've got waiting at home to frame it is beautiful and the same guy did a painting of Wonder Woman and a, a there was this Batman this piece of art of Batman that he used um, Michelangelo's David as the the pose wow. for Batman so you had this incredible image of Batman in like a Michelangelo's David pose and it was it was stunning it was mm -hmm. really and those are the kind of things I kind of look for these really special things that I could actually have at my house and people would kind of like go oh you are a bit of a geek but that's really cool <laughs> so would you ever frame like fan art of your character from the expanse um i have i have a bit of a problem with putting pictures of myself <laughs> up. i find that a little bit but if it was if it was absolutely awesome yeah i probably would um i i don't mind putting up posters of like um of my show like I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna get a big frame picture poster of the expanse and I get all my buddies to sign it and I'll put that up in my office or uh, I have source code the the Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I did and I have that signed by the director and oh, cool. one of the producers and uh, I'm, I'm proud of some of those projects that I've done um, but putting pictures of myself up I, I don't know I'll save those in the, <laughs> in the closet somewhere has there been one really great experience with with a fan at one of the conventions or even out in public on the street or anything yeah, um, I have to say, going to the cons, it's not for everybody. A lot of the actors that I know, they can't handle it. I mean, actors, artists in general, a lot of us are kind of introverted. Like, we, 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 we love what we do, we love our craft, but we're not great at being in large groups of people and lots of energy coming at us. We're, we're, we kind of need that space. I'm a theater actor, mm -hmm. so I, I grew up in the Shakespeare. I had my own Shakespeare company back in Canada, and... Um, I've been surrounded by audience, so I'm, I'm very comfortable in that environment. And I have to say, going to these cons, I love 
because as weird as they are, the fans are amazing. Because uh, I used to be like I am one of those guys. I used to be one of those geeks that would go around looking for books and you know would be in awe, slack jawed when I saw an actor or a character or an artist. And so I totally appreciate where they're coming from when they wander up to my table, look at me with big wide eyes and open their mouth and nothing comes out. And so then I'll, I'll prompt them and I'll say, hey, so how are you doing? What's your favorite book? What's your favorite story? And then they'll slowly start to uh, reveal what their passion is and what it is that makes them so excited. And <clears throat> I think that's incredibly important because I know as silly and goofy as it sounds, Spider-Man had a huge influence on me. He, that character made me feel okay. I would get beat up and picked on and bullied and wedgied and, and everything, but just seeing someone else in, in a fantasy kind of realm, dealing with it, coping with it, surviving it, becoming stronger than it, and being better than those guys that are bullying me, that gave me a lot of strength. And it, it made me very proud and it made me very um, <coughs> confident to kind of get through those tough times. So I know how important that is. Art in every form is important, including what we do uh, on The Expanse. So I love to meet the fans and validate them and make them feel like, you know, these fantasies and these worlds that you have, uh, we're all people, we're all like you, and uh, we totally appreciate you. We're not better than you. And when they get to touch you and talk to you and connect to you on a human level, it augments their experience of what you do by about 100 times. That's amazing. Yeah. Are, do you have any conventions coming up? Um, let's see, what are we now? January. I think I'm going to Dubai. Oh, wow. Uh, in April. There's a Middle Eastern Comic Con there, which I'm really excited There's about. There's some huge comic book fans out in Dubai. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited because um, I play Altair from mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed. Uh, and I, I'm, to my knowledge, he's one of the only, if not the only, Middle Eastern hero in the video game world. I don't know about movies and comic books. I think they've probably started to, in the comic book world, they've started adding, I think Miss Marvel is Middle Eastern now. Mm -hmm. uh, Captain Marvel is, is a Middle Eastern girl right now. Yeah. Eh? Um, but for the most part, you don't get a lot of Middle Eastern protagonists. And so taking Altair to Dubai as a Middle Eastern actor to be able to present that to those people, they never get to see themselves. They That's never amazing. get to see themselves represented in on the big screen in the video games in the in the pages of the comic books as the hero and so i'm really excited to do that i want to see how they respond i want to see how you know it's not a white guy who's putting on a middle eastern accent it's actually an actor who's f like them who's playing the character that is the kind of quintessential he's the captain kirk of that franchise and uh so that I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, speaking of video games, though, I mean, that's a big deal in itself. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure you have a lot of fans who just know you from, from that yeah, world. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, until, like, the last eight months, uh, Assassin's Creed was still my the lion's share of my fans. And just recently now, it's become 50-50 between Assassin's Creed and The Expanse. <laughs> and I'm expecting, you know, after season two hits, you know, The Expanse is going to take over, but... Altair and the Assassin's Creed franchise has been incredibly powerful. Like, I mean, picture it. If you are you guys gamers? At I, all? I'm not as much as I used to be, but yeah. you sit with a character and you play that game. It's not a two-hour movie, right? Uh, you will play 10, 20, 30, depending how good you are. Uh, Forty hours. You'll it, you'll take weeks or months to finish a game. You will be emotionally invested. You will play the hero. You will die if he dies. You get revived. When you succeed, when your character succeeds, you succeed. Mm -hmm. There's an endorphin rush. There's an adrenaline. There's a, an emotional connection to your character that is unlike watching a movie where you're an observer. 
you are actually in the game. So you do that for 50 hours. You become emotionally attached to a character in a way that is different than any other art, art form. So when you meet the guy that you've been playing, that you've heard in your ear for 40 or 50 hours, there's, there's a huge, like when I went to London Comic Con, the uh, MCM Comic Con, there's this group of teenage girls of all people, like 12 to 15 year old girls who reacted like they just saw the Beatles. <laughs> When they, when they found out, because they don't recognize me because I don't look, look exactly like the character, but when I said I play Altair, there was this squeal, and they started swooning because uh, it's a very popular game with, with girls, but they were so emotionally invested in these characters, and I've never seen anything like that in terms of TV or anything like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I got three more questions before we go. Sure. Uh, this is going to be very stereotypical, but as a Canadian, yeah. were you ever an Alpha Flight fan? Alpha Flight. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, was it Mr. Hudson uh, who plays, uh, what was the game of that character? I have no clue. I know North Star. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm also a Captain Canuck fan, believe it or not. Um, what about what? Which is Puck a big is one? Puck, yeah. uh, Sasquatch, North Star, Aurora, <laughs> and uh, Hudson. I can't remember what the name of his character was. Um, but uh, And then obviously Wolverine, who kind of was part of that uh in his history, mm-hmm. he was part of the the Alpha Flight team because he's a Canuck, right? So, I always try to bring Alpha Flight in to yeah. any conversation. That yeah, Alpha Flight, I think, is the unsung team because they're pretty cool. <laughs> like, if you think about that, like you think about you have a speedster, you've got uh, kind of a storm type character, you've got a, uh, a hairy monster, a muscle <laughs> man, you've got Puck, who's like a little type. He's a Wolverine type, right? And then you've got your you've got your Nova. God, you've got your like your your guy in the suit suit with the blasters. It's a good team. It's a really good mix of people, and uh, because they're Canadian, they get diluted. You know <laughs> I mean, they're kind of like, oh, those are the Canadian. That's a Canadian hero. So we'll just kind of like eh, we'll backburner them for a while. <laughs> I gotta say, for for fans who haven't seen the show yet, I know. By the way, I am Canadian. Just in <laughs> case anyone hasn't figured that out yet, I'm bo- born and bred in Canada. So I guess that's part of why I'm I'm such a huge Wolverine fan as well. <laughs> um. For fans who haven't seen the show, I know like half of our, a lot of our listeners are diehard readers of comics. A lot of them are just entertainment fans. You're a big comics fan, obviously. Yeah. Tell the fans who are diehard comic fans why they should watch The Expanse. Oh, why? You sh- okay, well, the whole reason I'm a comic book fan is because I like to escape. I love to get away from the banality and the humdrum. Le- I mean, right now, man, we got to get out. We got to get out of this reality <laughs> right now. You want you need something to give you hope. Um, so the expanse, um, if you like Blade Runner, if you like Battlestar Galactica, if you like Alien, if you like deep, rich, layered stories with twists and turns and mysteries and gritty, gritty, realistic science fiction, uh, with amazing, fun characters, you will love the expanse. The, this show is probably the most expensive sci-fi show in the history of television. It's about six million bucks an episode. What? So you are going to see special effects and and worlds that have been built that you know only game of thrones really comes comes close to it and that's a completely different type of world this is a science fiction world but we've been compared to the game of thrones in terms of the production value so if you love that kind of storytelling and you don't want like cotton candy you know like easy cheesy fast food science fiction then the expanse is for you you are going to be sucked in you're going to be immersed you're going to be dragged by uh i mean my my acting teacher used to say this and it's my favorite expression you, you grab grab an audience by their balls and their hearts and minds will follow 
And so that's what The Expanse does. Wow. I mean, no offense to any of the people out there who might not have any of those, but <laughs> um, but that's what The Expanse does, is it really grabs you and drags you through an incredible journey, and it's visually stunning. Is there, um, I mean, you obviously work on a number of other things that we already mentioned. Anything else you have upcoming that you want to I'm uh, I'm currently shooting the strain. Right. Uh, the I've never heard of that. That show's not doing well at all. <laughs> either, so. The uh, w- that's the uh, Guillermo uh, del Toro uh, vampire saga. Dark man. Oh man, <laughs> is that a dark show? So uh, not for the faint of heart. The strain is. And and season four. I was in season three. I did about half the episodes last year. And season four, they brought me back, and uh, they were supposed to kill me off last year, and I guess they they liked me. <laughs> so uh, they left me on a cliffhanger, and I came back. And um, season four, man, oh, I can't really talk about it because the end of season three was so dramatic. The whole world changes in season four. Um, and season four is the last season. So they're going to wrap it up in season four. So you know whenever they're about to wrap a show up that all bets are off. Right. You know, because anything and everything can happen and will happen. And uh, they certainly do not disappoint. Um, so, yeah, I'm loving doing The Strain. I've got a few more episodes to do. And then... Um, Hopefully, the expand season three will season three will start up right after that. And how can fans uh, check that out? Um, anything, uh, I think. Uh, well, the expanse is going to be premiering uh, on February first in a couple of days on um, Sci-Fi Network uh, in Canada. It's Space Channel. Um, the Strain, I guess, is an FX series, so that'll be there. Right, it's on FX. Right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? <laughs> please, please be right. Um, <laughs> and that's going to be premiering in um, in uh, August. Okay. And obviously Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, all those those streaming sites have previous seasons of both. Mm. Uh, you can get uh, The Expanse in the United States on Amazon Prime. All over the world, The Expanse is on Netflix. Um, and uh, The Strain I've seen on Netflix uh, up to, I think, season three. Cass, this has been a pleasure chatting with you. My I pleasure. And if, if anybody out there wants to chat with me, hit me up on my social media. I'm happy to inter- interact and engage with the fans at Cass Anvar on everything. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. That's amazing. And we always end on a tagline, and I usually say it, but for big Marvel fans, I want them to end the show with, this is Marvel, your universe. Right. Hi, this is Cass Anvar. And this is Marvel, your universe.